The following production is part of the We Be Geeks Podcast Collective. This podcast is part of the Red 5 Network. For more Red 5 Network podcasts, visit red5network.com. Microphones and headphones provided by CAD Audio. CAD Audio, expression through innovation. Produced with podcasting gear from Tascam. Trust your audio to Tascam. Sound thinking. To another episode of Weeby Geeks. Jeez. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Weeby Geeks doesn't have the really cool music. Oh, we got cool music. It's just not. It's just not in the same genre as this. Welcome to another episode of Wookie Radio. It is your insane host. With oh, I his, thought this was Mighty Marvel Geeks. It's tomorrow night, <laughs> and we've got a really cool guest coming up on Mighty Marvel Geeks in two weeks. We'll really confuse him and call it um, We Be Mighty Marvel uh, Radio. <laughs> Mighty Wookie Geek Radio. There you go. We we be mighty Wookie Radio, mighty Marvel Wookie Radio. <laughs> Woo! And thank you. That's our show. Have a good night. It's a three part series. And thank you for joining us. Only one thing left to be said. Give the evacuation. I'm <laughs> getting my hopes up. <laughs> <laughs> it is the Smugglers Three here on Wookie Radio. Ken, Derek, and myself, Mike. How's everyone doing? Obviously, I've lost my mind. A little loopy, but other than that, okay. Yeah, this is going to be an interesting show tonight. Little loopy is an uh, understatement. But um, check out the homepage, wookieradio.net. Support our partners in crime, uh, superhero stuff, Biddy Boomers. Uh, with Biddy Boomers, use the code WeebyGeeks for 15% off your purchase anytime. Heroes and Villains. Which you use the same code WeebyGeeks for ten percent off your first purchase, and if that does work, because I actually just got um, my Indoor Commando wallet finally wore out one of the snaps, so I got they had the uh, Scout Trooper wallet on sale for like twelve fifty, and our promo code still worked out too. Yeah, the Scout Trooper wallet's the one Derek has. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was twelve fifty plus. I still got the discount. Very cool. I have nice. I have the the indoor one that um, that was the one that came in the loot crate, right? I believe so. Yeah. Yeah, I still have that around somewhere. I just don't use it much. I use it for conventions. Well, I've used it every. I've used it as my actual wallet since we got it, and it finally had one of the snaps wear out and break off. <laughs> so 
It's time for a new one to upgrade. And I'm surprised the only back Star Wars backpacks they have left on there is the TIE Fighter backpack, which I will attest is a great backpack. I have it. Uh, I use it for when we go to the parks, and I know it's going to be a rainy day because it's waterproof. It's like, yep, protect the gear. Uh, but a lot yeah, they're of, low on a lot of stuff right now. Or a lot of times I use my indoor com- commando backpack, which they haven't had up on a, for a while. And I use my poncho, which we got from the loot crate with it. Um, and I get people asking me questions all the time. Where did you get that? Where, what store in the shop, what store here in the park sells that? I, was like, uh, I got it online. Uh, I saw another one made that was made by um, BioWorld indoor commando type backpack. Yeah was made by BioWorld, which is the parent company of Heroes and Villains. I say that is, yeah. <laughs> I asked the I asked the person where they got it. I saw it at Magic Kingdom. I'm like, ooh, this would be a cool one for, for Zoe to have. Then she's got her version. I've got my version for when we're in the in the parks. They said they got it like five, six years ago from GameStop. I went, Well, I'm not gonna uh, find that one anytime soon. But well you might, but you're gonna be going to eBay. I didn't even find it on Jeez. eBay. So Although back on Heroes of Villains, have you seen the new um, Lucasfilm shirt they have? They yeah. have the Yoda Fountain shirt. Yeah, amazing shirt. Oh, really? That's cool looking. Mm-hmm. The 50th anniversary Yoda Fountain t-shirt. Yep. Uh, getting back to their backpacks, they have the uh, Stormtrooper. Uh, they have their Stormtrooper backpack, which is pretty decent. And the uh, the Rebel, their Rebel Pilot backpack, which between Heroes and Villains... And BioWorld, the two companies combined have probably put out four, four or five different Rebellion or Rebel Pilot backpacks. Yeah. It, it's just, I mean, there's the the original that you see still at a lot of conventions and you do see occasionally at the parks. Uh, there was a second variation of it, um, which I can't remember what, I know it was slightly different. And then they had a roll top one recently and then of course the one heroes and villains has out yeah the one of heroes and villains the x-wing backpack is actually on sale i'm flipping through their website right now that one and the stormtrooper are both on sale 70 bucks the rebel one comes with with a rain hood to cover your backpack yeah. with mm-hmm. nylon rain hood although even though it's a different the other franchise this Klingon sling pack looks really cool too. And it's on sale down to $34. Yeah, I wanted to get the um the Imperial sling bag for the yeah, parks. They don't even show that one anymore. It's sold out. I wish they would do another Star Wars sling pack and do do one either Scoundrel or uh Rebellion of some sort. Cuz originally when I picked up my Tie Fighter backpack, I picked it up so I could have it for work because it was waterproof. Then I got um a friend of mine sent me a different one from uh, the hockey team he was working for at the time, which was a little more waterproof and a little more of what I needed for work. So I regulated the TIE fighter for parks and conventions. Yeah. Because going to a convention here in Florida, you're going to get rained on either going to or coming from the convention. Yeah. So Wow. The back, the wallet I just got, it's already, I got it on, or it arrived here on Sunday. It's sold out already. Wow. I must have got one of the, within the last couple of them. They got some great stuff. They have so much stuff sold out. I'm wondering if it's, um, if they're getting ready to release new sets. Selling off what they got so they can just get even more new stuff out. Possibly. Um, I know, like, looking at their Spider-Man stuff, um, 
They've got the Toei. They got a bunch of stuff around the Toei Spider-Man series. Yeah. Which is... Is that the um, Japanese Spider-Man? That's the Spider-Man ja- or whatever? That's the Japanese Spider-Man. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And speaking of Spider-Man, I know this is a Star Wars show, uh, but the guest we're going to have on... Mm-hmm. And on uh, Mighty Marvel Geeks on July 8th, we're going to have Nicholas Hammond. Cool. Who was the the CBS Spider-Man from 77 to 79. That was a live action show, wasn't it? It was. He was the the second live action Spider-Man. See, I never watched the show. I remember um, seeing reruns of the TV movies. There were also two TV movies. Yeah. Yeah, because those were being played on like um, like Saturday afternoons and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, like I said, he's the second live action. The first live action was on the Electric Company, third season, nineteen seventy four. Yeah. So, but never spoke. Nope. So, anyway, back to Star Wars. Let's uh, let's talk a little about. The Bad Batch. Uh, latest episode is called Reunion. So, um, any of you got either one of you two want to do the recap? See, I asked instead of just saying, <laughs> assigning it to one person. I would do it, but I don't know if my brain will work that way right now. It's been like three or four days since I watched it. I don't remember every detail. <laughs> All right. Well, I've got the Den of Geek recap here uh, to help us out. Um, actually, where do I go? Actually, if you want to use the um, StarWars.com, their gallery had the enough slides that it goes through the entire episode now. Yeah, yeah. That's probably the better way to do it. Uh, the trivia gallery um, with this. No, no, just a regular episode gallery. Oh. Was even better. Well, let me get to that one first. I was impressed we'll with do, it this, year, this month. We'll do it and then go into... Uh, Some of the trivia. Trivia, yep. So Crosshair reports to Admiral Rampart and the Prime Minister, Lama Su. He tells them that Scrappers on Baraka reported a power surge aboard a Jedi cruiser. To, uh, it's the work of Clone Force 99. Um, Sue suggests they re- they be returned alive. Rampart gives the order to terminate. That's a big surprise, because remember, um, Rampart and uh, Tarkin both are done with clones. Right. Tarkin yeah, has never liked clones from the beginning. Right. And, and he said... Um, when they said, oh, we should bring him back, he, he was basically, he doesn't care about them. He doesn't care what happens to them. He just doesn't care. No, they're disposable. Right. Mm-hmm. So back on Braca, Riker is teaching Omega how to disarm an, exclo- an explosive before they're recalled to the cruiser. On oh, the yeah. On the way, um, Echo realizes they're being watched. It was kind of interesting. Did you think that was a real... Um, a full-on detonator when it when hers started to go off. I wasn't sure initially at first. Mm, yeah, I wasn't either. I because that's something that you'd think Wrecker may actually do that with a real just because he's not worried about it, <laughs> and he likes <laughs> yeah, explosions totally, anyway. So if you mess I up could, and it blows up, that's even good to see another explosion. Yeah, I could totally see. I could totally see that happening. Happening. Yeah. Uh, so they give chase, and Wrecker grabs onto their speeder as it takes off. He eventually falls. The Echo stuns the driver shortly after, which I think this explains why we're seeing the different speeders in the Bad Batch uh, Lego sets that are coming out because they keep. You mean the speeder bikes? The speeder bikes, yeah. Oh, I forgot. Yeah, this isn't the speeder bike; it's regular speeder that they're on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
Later, Hunter has an idea. They'll take weapons from the cruiser for Sid, which should clear their debt, but Tech counters that the intel from the ship's central system could be even more valuable. Well, yeah, you got in, um, technical info on the actual... Uh, it, with the way the Empire does things now, because it's still the same fleet that was uh, the Republic before. Yeah. Not to mention uh, locations of different worlds and different uh, things like that. Yep. They search the great vessel, and Wrecker and Omega soon stumble upon a cache of proton torpedoes. Hmm. Wrecker's you new favorite love, toy. Yeah, a man and his bomb. <laughs> it's more. Yep. It's more cuddly than his his toka doll. Meanwhile, Becker is a man of simple means. Give him most explosive. He's happy for days. Meanwhile, tech suggests to Hunter that if they left with Rex, they wouldn't owe. If they had left with Le- Rex, they wouldn't owe Sid at all. I don't, I don't know. I think. Yeah, she was, they would still owe Sid, but. <laughs> I think she would figure yeah, out. Why um, oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't think it would be quite as violent as like the huts. Unless you put a death mark on their heads, but no. she'd definitely be trying to get them back. She'd be putting a bounty on their heads to get their money back, for sure. Uh, on the bridge, Tech successfully locates the ship's data, but Omega notices a blinking light, which Tech confirms is a proximity sensor. Suddenly, a group of shut- shuttles arrive, and uh, we now know the Empire is now here. That was interesting that the entire ship is shut down. A couple of power systems here and there they've turned on just for lighting and stuff. But for some reason, out of the entire dead bridge, the proximity sensor still works. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Everything else is Don't question dead. it. Just go with it. <laughs> it's like that proximity sensor should have been going off all the time with everything around it. Yeah. There's a couple other things in proximity, not just a shuttle. <laughs> Let's talk about the bow of the ship. <laughs> Let's talk about the other ships that are on top of it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So Nala C meets with Lamasu and they go for a Shemalam and Ding Dong. I mean, sorry. I feel like it's an animal house type setup here. Um, anyway, the Empire's aggressive action on Braca troubles the Prime Minister. Um I will have to call upon further assistance, he says. All that matters is returning Omega intact. Which once again shows there's something really, really special about her, not just the fact that she's female. Yeah. Correct. Yes. And I have a story. So why don't I go ahead and go to the story on why, and then we'll get back to the episode. Okay. Uh, so from Screen Rant, um, episode eight confirms com- that the Kimonians want Omega back. Uh, so why work with the Empire and then go on the backside with bounty hunters? Um, part of the problem is they're going to great lengths to get Omega back um, by hiring a number of bounty hunters to score scour the galaxy for. Her. Uh, now they're being careful to hide their efforts to reacquire her from the Empire, secretly hiring the bounty hunters including Cad Bane, who was clearly authorized to assassinate Imperial assets while capturing Omega. But why is she so important? Do you think he was authorized, or do you think he just didn't care? I think he just didn't care. Mm. Yeah. He pulled a full Bill Murray and just was going, it just doesn't matter. And no, I'm not <laughs> playing the clip. Uh, <laughs> and, and Derek's going, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, I 
I think the last time I played it was on Mighty Marvel Geeks, and I, I kind of wore it out. So I'm done playing it for a little bit. <laughs> um, anyway, the Camino clones are based on genetic samples obtained from Jango Fett. Of course, he was killed at the beginning of the Clone Wars in Attack of the Clones, uh, and his samples are losing integrity. So they now the Camino Camino uh, Camino is. Yeah, it's hard to say. It is. Or how Kaminoans. Kaminoans works too. Uh, there you go. Appeared to believe that they have the future of their clone pl- program in the so-called enhanced clones, whose genes may have been manipulated in order to grant them desirable mutant traits, such as why they also would like to have the Bad Batch back intact. Yeah. What's the chances that Omega may be the first? "Quote unquote stable enhanced clone could be because the Bad Batch are you really mm. you could say they're really not quite stable right now Omega they have special skills mm. at the detriment of other skills right Omega may be right. the first one to be enhanced that pretty much is well rounded yeah now Omega is the last of the Django Fett clones she appears to be intended as the beginning of a new generation of enhanced clones, although it's unclear what her abilities are. There have been indications Omega is Force-sensitive, which we've talked about two, three episodes ago, that she she has a very keen intuition, almost like the Force is guiding her to go be helpful to the, to the Batch when they weren't expecting the help to be needed, if that makes sense. Uh, but it's also possible that they are trying to create an army of clones whose powers can rival the Jedi. So it's whether un- it's unclear whether the Empire would actually want a new army of Force sensitives. But the Kamonians don't really have a good read on the Empire right now. Could this have been possibly where the some of the Sith, uh, Sith Inquisitors came from? Possibly, but I don't know. We. Or, or could the Sith Inquisitors be? We we know the Grand Inquisitor that we saw in season one of Resistance or in Rebels uh, used to be a Temple Guard. Yeah, could the others possibly also be former Temple Guards or former? Um, um, it's possible or former member or members of the Jedi Order of some in some sort of way. Maybe not full on Jedi Knights, but like we said, like we know the Temple Guards were Force sensitive, but they were not Knights. You know, right. were there other jobs in the Jedi Order that did not were not as strong in the Force as others? No way. Could they have been straight I, up fallen Jedi? I th- I thought the, I thought the Temple Guard were Jedi. They just were never granted Knight level because of being selected to be Temple Guard. It's like Temple. See, I thought like they temple, were not quite as strong. I thought Temple. To me, I got the impression Temple Guard was a lateral equivalent to 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 a knight. I don't know. Let's. I knew Derek would look it up. Wikipedia <laughs> to the rescue. So uh, to continue on, um, with Tarkin assigned as oh. Imperial Governor of their system and deciding the future of the clone program. Um, it is likely the Kimonians are going to lose their biggest customer. They can't afford to admit that they actually made, actually unable to meet the Empire's demand for clones anyway, due to the decay of the f- genetic samples from Jango Fett. And uh, so this leaves the question unanswered of if Jango's genetic samples are decaying to the point they've become unstable, how is Omega the beginning of a new wave of clones? Is there something unique about this particular naive clone? 
something very different to the regulars or even members of Clone Force 99 with Omega back in the hands of the Kimonians, uh, the Bad Batch is likely to start providing some answers soon. Here's my other thought. Actually, I think Derek has the answer about the Temple Guard. Yes. Uh, so, according to Wikipedia, Wikipedia uh, the Temple Guards were Jedi Knights pulled from the ranks to become anonymous Sentinels as part of their lifelong commitment to the Order. Okay. Hmm. So that means if they were, um, if they became Inquisitors, all the Inquisitors obviously were Force sensitive in some way. Maybe the other ones were fallen Jedi also. Could be. Possibly, yeah. Because you got to think, with the thousands of Jedi out there, and maybe tens of thousands at one point, there has to be more than one or two that um, decided that they're, uh, for some reason, decided, oh, I'm on the wrong side. Yeah. Or, hey, I can save my butt if I change sides. Mm-hmm. That too. Um, or maybe they were, you know, given the option when Vader walked through, join me or or die, and or help me hunt the other Jedi or or die, one or the other. Who, who knows? Um, so the ships that we see are Crosshair and the group. They're jamming his signal, but Hunter knows it won't be enough to stop him. The team regroups as the Empire has already secured the Marauder. Uh, but they need a covert way out. While stormtroopers search the Jedi cruiser, the Bad Batch sneak in the shadows. Well, it was never really clear. Was they realized that the Empire now has their ship? Where they're going to sneak out of the Jedi cruiser? But how are they plan? What was their plan to get off world? They were going to get their ship back. They're going to use their ship and go off world because there's not a star destroyer. Yeah, but the Empire has their ship right now. Right. They were going to get it back. That was the whole thing. As only they could. Dun, 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 dun. Just saying. Uh, mm-hmm. So, tech- when you need help and it, you can find nobody else, and if you can find them, <laughs> you can call mm-hmm. the Bad Batch. Uh, tech, tech, tech patches into the Empire's comm channel. Upon hearing where the troopers are headed, Hunter leads the Bad Batch in the opposite direction to the artillery deck. Now, that whole thing about tech patching in, that reminds me of the old cliche of, I knew that you were listening to me. Well, I knew that you knew that I was listening to you. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I knew that you knew that I knew that I would use knew that. Yeah. <laughs> on the way there, they come to find Crosshair and his squad is already waiting for them. It's a trap. They should have known right off the bat that Crosshair would have guessed that they were listening in. Yeah. Let me, let me rephrase. Yeah. yeah. It's a trap. So Echo suggests that techs scomp in and reroute reserve power to their cannons. If they fire, it should collapse the deck. Meanwhile, Crosshair and Hunter trade barbs. The Bad Batch leader tells his former friend that he's being controlled by an inhibitor chip, and Omega concurs. This only seems to upset the sharpshooter who who orders they target the kid. Because he's in full control of his own facility, faculties. He's not being controlled by anybody. He's being controlled by a chip. Not according to him. And it's not Ponch and John. It's not Lay's or Fritos, but it's still a chip. Suddenly, the cannons fire. As as the ground begins to shake, the Bad Batch make their move and break through the troopers' perimeters. I do like how um, Wrecker's using that proton torpedo as like a battering ram and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Obviously, he's like, oh, I never were armed to this one, so I can throw it at people. Uh, they slink through the Who dark. Knew they were so handy. Yeah. 
They slink through the darkened cruiser, looking for a way out. Crosshair returns to his shuttle, plotting his next ploy or his next plan. Uh, Tech leads the team through the engines of the ship. Crosshair once again is waiting. Uh, the Bad Batch double back and soon realize that the engines have been activated. The work of Crosshair. Uh, yeah. Standing inside of the focusing cone of a giant ion engine, engine as it's firing up is probably not the best place to be in the world. They have roughly two minutes to escape. They decide how they're going to use their recovered explosives to blow an opening through which they could fall um, fall to safety or, as Echo says, or be incarcerated or incinerated, incarcerated, incinerated. Uh, yeah. Well, the fall so, doesn't kill you. <laughs> so clearly uh, that maneuver with the turning the engines on really, I think, solidified that uh, crosshair is definitely, definitely against, you know, like he's not coming back easily. That's not the, the plan. Bad, yeah. Bad. His, his plan is not to come back. Right. He's not a fulcrum or anything. Yeah. No, no. But what happens if they end up capturing him and get that chip out? Does he come back to the team or is it too far? That is, or is a he gone too very far? good question. That's a very good question. And I predict I we will find that. out the answer of that before the end of the season. Probably. You may be right. Yes. So they place the explosives just before the engines are engaged. Uh, record detonates the explosives, destroying the ring and exposing the thrusters. A torrent of energy rips, rips through the cruiser's cylinder, blasting Crosshair and his soldiers back. Uh, Crosshair orders the engines off while the Bad Batch tumble downward. Uh, I thought when they showed that scene of... Um, Crosshair getting blasted in the face. I thought they were going to have a whole lot more damage to him. Yeah, me too. Yeah. I thought, I thought he was well. going to have like a permanent, you know, burnt face or something. Like some scarring, some something. Vader? Yes. Uh, so Hunter and Omega reached the Marauder first, and the Imperial Patrol already, if I and the Imperial Patrol that was there already defeated. And then we hear a familiar voice. Wasn't much work. And I got a re- great big grin on my face because I didn't know this one was coming. Yeah, me either. To see Omega. Although I think his hat is smaller. <laughs> yeah, just a little bit. Uh, Omega looks up to see a bounty hunter and it's Cad Bane standing in the doorway. Hunter asks who who hired you, uh, but Bane won't answer and demands the girl. And after this episode, believe, we all know the answer to that. I believe uh, my reaction to seeing Cad Bane return was uh, something I cannot repeat on this podcast. <laughs> WTF? Something like that. I was Holy, very excited about it. Holy shnikes. Yeah, that's kind of more like it. <laughs> well, with uh, seeing Cad Bane on here and knowing that he came back here, that um, gives more hope that we may see him in live action in the future, in I the not so. too distant future. I hope so. Yeah, because be awesome. we have enough series out there coming that could use a bounty hunter here and there. Now, I'll tell you what, sure. I did not hear with Cad Bane this time that we did hear with Cad all throughout the Clone Wars. When he walked, I did not hear the sound of spurs. He didn't walk much, if I remember right. I'd have to go back and listen to the mix. It may yeah, still be in I'm the not, mix, just mixed way down. Maybe, yeah. I'm not, yeah, I'm not but sure. Possibly. I didn't hear it right off the bat. Um, I wasn't listening for it right off the bat. Hunter and Bane go into a standoff. 
like something out of the old west. Kane is too quick. Uh, happens to hit um, Hunter in the chest plate. Drops Hunter after Bane's droid disarms Omega. Good old Toto. Uh, the bounty hunter hits her with a stun shot. Elsewhere, an injured crosshair is helped aboard a shuttle. Uh, hunter awakes, awakens in the Marauder, his teammates fighting off the Empire. When they take off, he tells them what happened, and we have to find her. I find it interesting um, that we see a breathing apparatus on crosshair as well. Yeah. And that could this potentially lead him maybe towards becoming the first uh death trooper it's possible because his personal squad is all in black yeah i'm trying to think did we see death troopers before this though no the other thing is like like you said but um, before ken i was expecting him to be a lot look a injured yeah and actually, he. Do y'all remember when Revenge of the Sith came out? There was the Itapo uh, Shadow Trooper, and then the uh, Special Ops Trooper. Mm-mm. Oh, let me see if I can find those on uh, Rebel Scum site. I Once found it. Go ahead. I was gonna say I found it amusing while you're doing that. That uh, they when they were walking through the engine, they're all like, "This is so cool! I've never walked through an engine before," and I'm like. It's like, I don't think too many people have. I don't think most people want to walk that close to an engine. <laughs> Especially for a Jedi cruiser. Yeah, really. Was that a Venator class Star Destroyer or something like that? Something like that, yeah. Yeah. Depends on who's I referring to it. So. Jedi called them cru- Jedi cruisers. The, <laughs> the Republic called them Star Destroyers. Yeah. That is the Utapan, Utapo Shadow trooper but i think uh, yeah i think this is closer to what the armor is um of crosshairs group it's this next one the covert ops yeah kind of that's a little closer the shading in the series though makes it um look very much kind of like um closer to black or a dark charcoal yeah it's a dark charcoal and these two are the closest i have seen to that dark to that particular look and i own these two figures and i was i was looking through them the other day and like, or looking through some other stuff the other day and fat came across them I'm like huh i wonder i shall pitch it to the guys mm. see what they say it is possible it's possible yeah possible so um oh one cool thing that was kind of, that I that I thought was kind of cool and interesting is when afterwards when when uh, Hunter woke up and they were showing his point of view through the helmet. Yeah, yeah, that was pretty cool. That that, that actually cool. reminded me. Yeah, that reminded me kind of of um, the Doom movies where they would break into actual first person. Yeah, hmm. yeah. I mean, there was more than one. Yeah, there was a second one. Yeah, I think it was straight to Netflix. Uh, I have never watched them. I have never watched them either. They were not fantastic, but it was fun. I watched the first one. I own the first one, which I'm, I'm ashamed to say. <laughs> it, it was not the worst movie ever made. I was I was actually fine with it until they went into the whole first-person game mode, and I just got, I, I felt like I was getting seasick. Well, you probably were not fun, having a good time with that, what is that, Hardcore Henry or whatever it was called? The hardcore Harry. Oh. No, yeah, 
I, uh, I've uh, not seen that one yet. I want to just as check I it out. I haven't either. <laughs> I, I've, I've watched like five, ten minutes of it. And I'm like, yep, done. That one seems like it's the perfect movie to uh, play on a VR headset. That one was inspired by... Um, there was a YouTube video where the guy becomes a spy and he goes through and there's a lot of parkour stuff and everything else. Yeah. It was inspired by that. I think it was the same people who did that video. They, they got to do that. So yeah, it, it was, it was intriguing, but, um, so I guess with trivia, some of it we've already covered. Yeah. Um, we've talked about the, the cache of, uh, proton torpedoes. It's the exact same type of torpedo used by Luke when he destroyed, uh, the Death Star. Mm-hmm. Sure. Now the Arabish on text data pad reads depleted emergency power when it's in red charged emergency power when it's green. Uh, Toto is back. Toto 360, of course, still voiced by Seth Green, um, but he has taken more worse damage in his time uh, than what he experienced in this little scuffle uh, with the Bad Batch. Uh, from the staging to the music to the climactic duel, uh, it's definitely this the showdown between Bane and Hunter came very much felt like it came out of the good, the bad, and the ugly. Yeah, yeah. Star Wars so right cool. now is very much leaning on the westerns. Yeah. Mm. Between this, between Mandalorian, behind. Mm-hmm. I'm assuming Obi-Wan's going to have a lot of that feel to it. Probably. Probably. So, uh, Andor's going to be different, but. Yeah. Yeah. I expect Andor to be a uh, Mission Impossible vibe. That's, and I'm thinking like the 60s version of Mission Impossible style. Yeah. 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 Or Man from Uncle or um, the, the Saint, any of them. The Avengers. Yeah. Not the, the real Mar- Avengers, not the Marvel Avengers, but the British show, the Avengers. Yeah. Like I said, the real Avengers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like the difference between the real Ghostbusters and the Ghostbusters. Yep. So um, apparently there were some Easter eggs or there were, there was a cameo that needs to be explained. Um, never mind. It, we've already talked about them. It's Cad Bane. So. Yeah. Oh. I wouldn't even call that a cameo. No. I wouldn't either. Yeah. I came in as a one and done. Just hey, how, how you doing? And walks away. This no, a, this was actually a. It's a setup for future things. Yeah. Oh yeah. So um, from from there, that's all I've got on uh, on um, what you call it on reunion. Yeah, there was a lot of really good stuff in this episode. Yes, there was. Yeah, there was. Yeah, it was yes. a good episode. It was a very good episode. So, any other thoughts about it? Or anything uh, like very... you know, it's a good episode when we take 45 minutes or so to talk about it. <laughs> 45 minutes to talk about a 22 minute episode. Yeah. I am very excited to see where we go next. Oh, well, you got to remember also, this is the dead end, dead halfway. The end of this episode is the dead halfway point for the Bad Batch. Oh, yeah. That was what, episode eight? And that, there's 16 episodes. So yeah. it, if we know Dave Filoni, or, or not just Dave Filoni, but just Star Wars animation, it all goes up from here. They start ramping it up, mm. the volume, the, everything. Everything is set up. We know all the characters. Now they get to just run. Yeah, yeah. So do you think we will find out what the deal is with Omega this season? Depends on if we get a second season. The, the impression work yeah. is being put out there is this is the only season. So we're going to have to know. The way this is set up, I could see that being that this is the only season of this. Yeah, that would be a little disappointing, though. Yeah, but that may be why we're getting 16 episodes and not an 8 or 10. Mm. Yeah. Uh, um, ah, there was something else I was going to say, and I forgot it. Oh, well. 
<laughs> Don't run away from your feelings. Yeah, this is the most, the most, you got to think. With the television, the Star Wars television they've done now between animated and live action, this is the longest season we've had since the original Clone Wars was run, or since Rebels. Yeah. See, I think Resistance yeah. didn't have, only had like 10 episodes per season, I believe, wasn't it? Mm. Mando has only been like eight. Yeah. Since the last season of Rebels, this is the longest season we've had. Well, the, yeah. the, the seventh season of Clone Wars was 13 episodes. Yeah. Uh, most of the seasons were 20, 22 or 23. 22 to 24. Uh, Rebels. They were running 2024, uh, I believe. No, it, it was like 24, 16, 16, 24, something like that. Hike. <laughs> Omaha. This man made Omaha. a sports ball reference. <laughs> 22, 16, Omaha. Uh, episodes, season 1, 15, season 2, 22, season 3, 22, season 4, 16. But that also shows that they're put in, they put as much faith in this as they did in um, Clone Wars and Rebels. Yeah. Which we know they were all behind 100% on Clone Wars and Rebels. Yeah. Re right. Resistance was 21 episodes First season, 19, second season. Oh, wow. They got, I, that was a lot longer seasons than I expected. Yeah. So, yeah. And somehow Resistance also got a video game. Oh, yeah. I think it was yeah. episode, the Resistance Racers game for mobile. There was Star Wars Rebels Recon Missions released by Disney Mobile for Windows, Android, and Windows Store. That's for Rebels. No, that was Resistance. Oh, am I looking at Rebels? Mm -hmm. I Rebels, I think, had a, um, a flight game. It was like a racer game. That makes sense. Well, I'm thinking. Resistance. I don't remember what it was. Resistance, Resistance did not have any games. I'm looking right now. There were no games at all. It was all Rebels. Rebels had the Rebel missions. Um, uh, no, there was. Hang on. Mobile game. There was Star Wars Resistance Racer. I thought so because I had it on my um, phone. Okay. It was on Android. That could be. Yeah. Uh, that figures. It would be a racing game. And I, if I remember right, let me look at the interface. I believe you it had like you put your thumb in the center of the screen. And you'd have to wander back and forth to actually, yeah, to steer. And you basically had to race it through the rings like you were flying one of their speeders. Yeah. Here, hang on a second. Let me drop this in. You know, there you go. You know who, know who Bad Batch kind of remind me of a little bit as well? The the group or the squad out of uh, Star Wars Republic Command. I didn't really read any of the Republic Commando stuff or oh. watch it or play the game. Oh, the game was fun, but they're they're kind of similar. They're almost enhanced troops on their own. Yeah. And as far as we know, there's only the four Republic Commandos. So yeah, this game actually it was not just a, it was on iOS and Android, but it was available in the Disney Now app. Yeah. That's why it was harder to find. It wasn't just in the App Store or in the Google Play Store. Oh yeah, yeah. So um trying to think where else do we go oh um starwars.com put out an interesting story uh the other day and it's inside the clone armor or star wars inside intel clone armor exploring the yeah, evolution is, of the clone trooper gear through the years yeah the inside intel i believe is a series they've been running for a while that's been on they did i think they did stormtrooper armor clone armor excuse me i'm not sure what else so far yeah well i'll be able to tell you while you're working through this uh, so they start off referencing the differences between um, phase one and phase two armor. Uh, obviously, the helmets is a big thing. Um, 
Phase one's got the the fin on top. Phase two has a little ridge, but not much. And it's just a ridge. It's not an actual fin like what we had on phase one, phase two. I almost want to say phase one is almost like a Rocketeer style helmet. Yeah. Um, Interesting. Well, the, the distinctive T visor in phase one definitely had that Mandalorian vibe to it. Um, yeah. It almost has an hourglass look to it because it has the two bottom also. Yeah. A little less uh, center visor in the phase two armor. Um, but breathing apparatus on the helmet received an upgrade and now featured two breath filter vents that can be. Yeah, which up. is very reminiscent of the um, stormtroopers. Yep. Um, the new helmet features some ergonomic upgrades that weren't only the change of scene within phase two, but this was also when specialized clones began to take the battlefield in, and uh, the individuality began to dawn on some of the clones themselves. Elite clones like uh, ARC troopers were specifically trained in combat and were the best of the best. Uh, these clones were also signified by their pauldrons, which would later be transversed into command for for stormtroopers. Uh, often seen, uh, they are also uh, their equipment is specific to their mission. Noble arc troopers are Rex, Echo, Fives. Um, oh, who else was an arc trooper? Wasn't Cody? Mm, no. Uh, Vile, Veal, V I L L, is an arc trooper. Um. Anyway, so yeah, to continue on, um, when the 501st was split and half of the Legion went to go help Ahsoka um, in honor of the formal general, the clones uh, painted their armor to in honor of Ahsoka with her, her coloring. Yeah, they kept the 501st, but the helmets matched the, the face coloring of Ahsoka. Yeah. And then, of right. course, we got the armor of uh, of the Bad Batch, which is completely custom. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Ubisoft. Ubisoft. Uh, apparently, their Star Wars game is receiving a major development shakeup, uh, according to ComicBook.com. Uh, the upcoming open world game from Ubisoft is now dealing with a pretty major shakeup at Massive Entertainment, uh, which is the studio working on the project. One of the key figures at the company has recently revealed that he will be departing Massive to go elsewhere within Ubisoft. How is this going to affect Star Wars, the Star Wars project? Don't know. I don't like the sound of that. Yep. Uh, it was revealed that the managing director, David Polfelt, is now going to be moving on to pursue other challenges at Ubisoft. Uh, he's been at Massive since 2005, served as the studio's managing director for, for the past 12 years. Um, and he's going to step down from his position July 1st and then take six months of time off. It must be nice. Then returning, mm -hmm. then returning to work in a new strategic role at Ubisoft. While this may seem a cause for concern, um, Paul Felt has actually expressed anything but caution. In fact, he specifically noted that acquiring the rights to work on a Star Wars game is partially what led to him stepping down in this manner. When we signed Star Wars and finally completed our beautiful 
building Eden in 2020, I felt overwhelmed. I felt felt a overwhelming sense of completion, as if I had achieved everything I once dreamt of. Uh, standing in solid foundation of the division, Avatar, Snowdrop, and Ubisoft Connect Studios and Fantastic Shape, and I'm exceptionally grateful for what we have accomplished together. Uh, for now, there's nothing we know about the Star Wars game except outside of the notion that it will take place open world, and of course, there's no mm. clue when it's going to be released. All we can speculate is it's coming to PlayStation 5, Xbox Series X, and PC. Yeah. Now, it would be interesting if this they're making all this big deal about this open world game, and we find out this is actually the um, the relaunch and redesign on um, Old Republic. Yeah. Because that's the biggest rumor out there is that they are working on and planning on relaunching the original Knights of the Old Republic game. Not or, the MMO, because that's actually still running, but... Or it could be The Galaxies. original, what, 2000, 2001 Xbox, or original Xbox running. version of it? Yeah. Huh? So it could be Galaxies so and Dark came back still so. running. What, the uh, MMO or Galaxies? No, Galaxies is gone, but the, yeah, the Knights of the Republic MMO is still going. Yeah, well, Galaxies, yeah. there is someone who has brought it back. Well, yeah, there's private servers, but... Yeah, yeah. I haven't tried to go play it. Well, that's like, I think, what was it, last year? Was the last EverQuest server actually was pulled, taken down? Oh, really? Wow. It was still running until, like, last year or the year before? Wow. Hey, as long as there's players willing to pay to play, they'll keep it running. Yeah. This is true. So, um, this should not come as a surprise, but in the course of rehearsing for a fight scene, uh... Harrison Ford sustained an injury involving his shoulder. Production will continue while the appropriate course of treatment is evaluated and the filming schedule will be reconfigured as as needed in the coming weeks. Well, he's over 80 years old, isn't he, at this point? Yeah, he's 78. 78? And he had the Falcon, yeah. and he had the Falcon crush his leg and <laughs> Force Awakens. Even his ship is going, why are you here? Why are you doing this? The sad thing is he looks really good at 78 years old. Yeah. Yeah. I wish I looked half that good now. No kidding, right? Oh, yeah. It, it's so obviously you're going to get your bumps and bruises, but Indiana, but Harrison Ford, Indy himself, uh, sustained his shoulder injury while in rehearsal. Uh, so it's causing him to take a hiatus from filming while treatments being evaluated. Um, the extent of the injury is unknown, though it's hardly the first time he's been hurt while making a movie. In the past, he suffered a serious back injury while making Indiana Jones and Temple of Doom and the leg trauma in Force Awakens. So uh, Indiana Jones has been delayed several times, but it's currently scheduled to debut in theaters July 29th, 2022, almost 15 years after the most recent entry, Indiana Jones in the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, and four decades after the initial installment of 1981's Raiders of the Lost Ark. And this one should be the last one Harrison Ford's in, because if they go with what they've been doing, by the time they get around to making another one, He's not going to be available. Yeah. Uh, we don't hear you, Mike. Continuing on. I don't know why I turned it off. Uh, the Acolyte showrunner compares her approach to the series to that of Jean-Luc Picard. To what? Uh, to the Jean-Luc Picard series? Yeah. So. Okay. Uh, Leslie Headland's Acolyte is deep in development, uh, but little is known about the plot or the characters involved. That said, um, Headland recently 
dove across the franchise lines to describe how she's running her writer's room. According to the Russian doll creator, she's running the ship like Star Trek's Jean-Luc Picard. Uh, in a recent sit-down with the AV Club, she explained she wanted a writing staff from all corners of the fandom, or maybe even writers with a little Star Wars knowledge. Um, that way they're not as, as, um, uh, as um, oh, I can't think of the, as in as influenced trying to feel like that they have to do something based on something else within the franchise. Mm. Isn't that what you want? You want people who actually have knowledge of what's come before that they do. Uh, remember what Ryan Johnson did? He's like, Hey, remember all this stuff we saw before? Throw that out the window and let's make a movie. Yeah. But I think yeah, if, but- if we're going into new realms and new, in new stories and new, but you still have to make it feel of- like star Wars. Is the problem? Yeah, but that, but you also you don't want it to be bogged down in it either. See, that's why that's where you get the stuff like what they did to High Republic. That's being written by Star Wars fans, and it's in a totally new area, but it still feels like Star Wars. Right, but you, you say that, and there's still a lot of people criticizing it. Well, that's because they're Star Wars fans; they're going to criticize anything. True. And I got to be honest. So far, I'm not loving the High Republic stuff um some of the novels i am the comics i am yeah i've read the comics and i've read through all the novels so far um i haven't read the comics yet i love charles soul uh his first the him putting out the first book in the in the line i, mm. I wasn't too thrilled about it yeah yeah the first book didn't take off but the, uh, the rest of them after that have been good i thought into the Dark, which I believe was Claudia Grace. Yeah. Amazing. Love that book. It's well, it's weird with the um High Republic that they're the first set of books all pretty much happen at the exact same time. Yeah. So you can read any of those in any order and it's uh, still not gonna um change or it's not gonna spoil something because it's happening at the same time as all the other ones anyway. Right. I just Which is a different way of doing it. I just got the new uh Rising Storm book. Which one's that? I don't think I've had I have that one. It's the audio book. Uh, ah. Or See, right right now I'm in I'm in the middle of the Claudia Gray one and I don't know, I'm still not loving that one either yet. How far into it are you? Uh, I don't remember. Have you found out who the villain in that book is yet? No. Okay. Yeah, I think I'm, I'm only like, uh, oh, I'm on chapter six. There we go. Yeah, you've not got far enough into it to actually yeah. get to the really good stuff. The problem is they're trying to, they have to build, they're in Star Wars, but they have to build a brand new world. Because we don't know anybody in this part of the space or time or other than like a Yoda. And they're purposely not trying to use Yoda because he's in everything all the way through. Right. Now, Star Wars, The High Republic, The Rising Storm. Um, I have a preview copy of the audiobook. Uh, it will become available July 6th and is the second adult novel in the in the group. I thought Into the Dark was an adult novel as well. Yeah, I thought so too. Uh, but this one's written by Kevin Scott. So he's writing this as he was writing, as he's been writing the comics as well. I'm looking forward to this one. So to have to see the roadmap that they're doing. Cool. I'm okay with this. 
Um, let's see, Into the Dark. I thought Into the Dark was a, an adult, the adult, an adult one as well. Just like uh, Light of the Jedi. Test of Courage is a young adult. I remember right with Justina Ireland. Yes, it's a young adult. Um, okay, Light of the Light of the Jedi is full fledged adult Star Wars according to Amazon. Looking at their thing. Uh, Into the Dark. They say reading age is for twelve to eighteen years old. Obviously, adults are reading this as well. Um, Test of Courage is 8 to 12 years old. A young reader, somewhat young reader. Uh, middle grade book is, I guess, what they're labeled. Uh, so there's another one, Justine. I think. I'm so lost on what's coming out. Uh, out of the Shadows by Justina Ireland is a young adult, uh, 12 to 18, like Claudius. Which is okay, because the stories are still great stories. Mm-hmm. So Cavins is, and then there's Race to Crash Point Tower. Which is a young reader book as well. 8 to 12, 240 pages. But still, um, the precursor for, high, for Rising Storm is... Okay, he doesn't say uh, story on I put on uh, StarWars.com. Doesn't give much plot. It says he doesn't tell much about the plot. Except he, he hints at an intriguing backstory for his new character, Yorick, uh, who is a Force-sensitive monster hunt with a mysterious okay. past. Okay. Hmm. So, um, I will say, go, get a little deeper into into the dark, Derek. You're you're gonna you're gonna be pleased. It's interesting because that, that book's not as much about um the Nihil as the other ones. Yeah, mm. they're in there, but it's not all about them. It this introduces a second potential um villain group or evil evil entity into the universe that gives the Nihil a run for their money. Hmm. And since you've not read the comic books, the this one ties a lot more into the stories than the comic books right now. Yeah, yeah. But since you've not read those, that's not a spoiler for you. It, it seems like, um, yeah, into the... I have them. I just haven't read them yet. Yeah. Into yeah. The, well, finish this book first. Claudia, it seems like Claudia and Kevin really work together between the, the plot points with this, uh, with the comics and Into the Dark. The payoff is worth it. I promise you that. I almost wonder if they shouldn't have just um, the first book of this done as a total standalone, not the same time as the other books or anything else. And then the other books branch off after that, the events of the first book. If that would have helped it a little. That's what they were trying to do. But like I said, Into the Dark and some of these other ones all happen at the same time as Light of the Jedi. Right. But Light of the Jedi was supposed to help establish the setting and the mood of yeah. the High Republic. Instead of just being a... And I think it almost went too far in doing that and not give enough character development and enough store of a specific story to latch onto because there, there was so much world setting involved, if that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, it's still a good book. I enjoyed it, but I, I think it felt lost compared to Into the Dark and uh, in the comics. I need to go back and yeah. re-listen to uh, Justina's first one again, uh, The Trial. I think what it is is all the books after uh, Light of the Jedi have focused on the story that's happening in that book. Yeah. Light of the Jedi was trying to be an introduction to the world. Yes. So it was, it was expanded. The story was expanded out a lot bigger than what a lot of the other ones are. Yeah. Yeah. Almost like there was too much in it. Exactly. Very much. Exactly. So, uh, anyway, to continue on though, um, headland is, you know, she's wanting, you know, she's wanting some with little knowledge and some with a lot of knowledge. Uh, she says, so that's what I really wanted an active conversation between my writers and myself 
and not so much a room full of people that would kind of just automatically agree with what I say. Um, she said, which is good sometimes because sometimes it's nice to have everybody love my pitch. It's not Star Wars, but I think a lot about Picard and the way he would have utilized his crew and say, what do you guys think? Any suggestions? What should we do next? So having that mix, I think for the series does make things a little easier. Sure. So, um, so she goes and, and kind of hearing the debates and the sort of, uh, Socratic conversation that would result. I wanted to put the room together in a way, in that way. That also means hiring people that are not necessarily the diehard cutthroat fan that I am when it comes to Star Wars stuff. It is weird to be on the, to be the person who's going, well, in 325 BBY, and everyone's like, what are you talking about? Hold on, I'll send you a link. Everyone's like, should that be another person that's doing that? Why is a showrunner doing that? And I'm like, here's a picture of what he, sh- of, here's a picture, this is what he looks like. So um, could we have possibly just been given a slight leak that- I'll say, did you just hear the date drop? <laughs> are we mm-hmm. take going even pre-High Republic with the Acolyte? High Republic's 200 years. Yeah. This is another 125 years past that. This one could be about the Sith. I hope so. Because the the term acolyte has never been used in Jedi terms usually. No, it's always the Sith. But it has been used in Sith. Yep. And I believe it was also used, the term was also used in uh, Knights of the Old Republic, the original game, one and two. Yeah. The term acolyte was used. So uh, we'll have to see. Mm-hmm. Could be interesting. I, I'm just going to say at this point in time, uh, any final thoughts? I actually have one because we didn't um, touch on it this time, but I don't know how this hasn't happened before. Someone needs to um, remove their heads from somewhere because until this past week, Carrie Fisher never had a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we talked about this last week on we be geeks. Yeah, that, well, that's because it was announced after we did this show. How did this never happen? I know, right? I don't remember why it didn't happen beforehand, but when there was a push to have it happen, because the same thing happened uh someone else. Um, When Carrie died, it automatically put a moratorium on her being eligible for like two or three years. Something yeah. like that. So, well, that way it doesn't look like a knee-jerk reaction to, oh, she died, we have to honor her. Man. But it should have hey. been. It should have happened 20 years ago. Yeah. yeah. Or more. Now, some of the other names on there, Kenan Thompson. Yeah. How are these guys getting on there oh. basically before her? Ming-Na Wen, I mean, is way deserving of it, but it's like how many other legends are not there that these people are getting it? Oh, Kenan Thompson deserves to have his. Without a doubt. Yeah, but I'm like I said, I'm looking at how many are not there that should have yeah. been in. But that's just mm-hmm. like any of the um, Hall of Fames or any of that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So, but Carrie is getting her star. Um, and Mark Fisher, or yeah, Mark Fisher. Mark <laughs> Hamill actually put out a tweet <laughs> and said, I congratulate and salute all 38 not new hashtag Hollywood Walk of Fame honorees. Welcome to the neighborhood. Love and a very special one finger salute to the incomparable, hilarious, and irreverent force of nature that was my space sis, Carrie Fisher. Her star will blaze from here to eternity. Yep. But I, so. I, I still love her her last um, joke on everyone when it came to uh, how she how she was buried. Her ashes inside of what looks like a large uh, Prozac capsule. 
So, um, Derek, any final thoughts? Nope. I got nothing. Got none. Well, I have nothing as well because I kind of brought all our stories to the table this week. Um, so yeah, there's only one thing left to be said. Give the evacuation code signal. information vital to the survival of the rebellion into the memory systems of this R2 unit. I've lost R2. <laughs> Why, you stuck up, half-witted, scruffy-looking nerf herder.